Amen. Turn around and say hello to some folks. Come on. Just get to know. Speak up. There you go. Outstanding. That is great. And we're glad for guests who are here. Um, Mom is here. Mom Grace, right, is here today. And I uh, want to make sure, George, that you bring a pen and um, a packet of material down here for Mom Grace, okay? And it is good to see her. And, and uh, she. Uh, we need to direct her to the youth department later on. She's about, what, 15 years old, right? Something like that. Amen. If you're glad to see her, let's give her a hand. Amen. That is good. All right. Praise the Lord. Who else? Uh, other guests today? Any other guests in the crowd today? Any here for the first time or the first time or back? All right. Good to see all of you. Give yourselves a big hand. Amen. Amen. May I just take another opportunity? Uh, last week I was surprised, and I, I am always surprised, but I am blessed also. We are blessed by the appreciation that's shown by this loving congregation for their pastor and his wife. And last Sunday morning, while we were celebrating 59 years of God's blessing, by the way, I haven't been here 59 years, but uh, the church has been, and praise God, it's still standing strong for what it stood for when it was started. But Brother, Brother Neil came up, and he had an envelope, and the envelope had a very loving card in it. Thank you for those words, worth more than anything else, but also a love gift from the church to the pastor in appreciation for this service. And uh, I want to say thank you so much. Now, first of all, I would not have to tell you what I'm going to do with that money. And I'm not because if I told you, uh, then I would, uh, I would have people putting in their two cents. So I, I'm going to do as the Lord leads. But we always enjoy uh, this opportunity to maybe be a blessing to some others as well. And so praise the Lord. Thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for your love towards your, your preacher and his wife. And we feel very loved, don't we, sweetie? We absolutely do. All right. In your bulletin, there are going to be a number of items. And uh, there is that uh, insert about our Thanksgiving dinner. And it's going to make your mouth water already. So I realize... Uh, we're going to have to get the, the Kleenex out and so forth because your mouth's going to be watering when you think about this great meal that we have on Saturday, November 19th. Saturday, November 19th at 4 o'clock, uh, we have a meal. Everybody brings, they sign up for two areas, and uh, everybody brings enough to feed a whole host of people. And uh, that's what we're going to try to do once again. We want you to invite your family, friends, and come out and have a wonderful time Saturday, November 19th at 4 p.m. I have sign-up boards, gentlemen, and one down each section very quickly. All right. And sign up two on two lines, please, on two areas. Thank you so much. Put your phone number so we can get in touch. All right. I think we just lost. Uh, Do we get it back? All right. Good. We recovered that. Very good. All right. I think the Phillies probably could use you on their team. Caught that pretty well. Yeah, all right. So that's coming up. And then also during the Thanksgiving season, two special services not to miss. Do not miss the praise and testimony service Sunday evening, November 20th. That's the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So we have Saturday the 19th and then Sunday the 20th. 
We'll have lots of Thanksgiving music going on that day. And the candlelight service is a quiet service Thanksgiving Eve on Wednesday evening. We do not call off our Wednesday evening service, but instead we invite everybody to come and bring all the family with you. Now, you can put, I understand now, what little I understand about cooking, that you can put things on timers and so forth and come to the service. Isn't that right? So it'll be okay. So if you know what you're doing, you won't burn everything. And uh, you come on to the service and enjoy the, the candlelight service. Don't miss those special services, those special times that we have as a church together. And th this is one of those very, very special times. So don't miss out on that. You're signing up now. Likewise, let me just say thank you for your faith promise forms. No place on our faith promise forms that are distributed during October is there a place for your name. Don't put your name on it. It's between you and the Lord. What you pray and you say, Lord, how much can you trust me to give? How much can I trust you to supply? And you put that increase on there. You put that amount on there. Tear off the top, fold it over, put it in the offering plate. And the bottom section, which is identical, you keep in your Bible to remind you that you're trusting the Lord for X amount of dollars every week or month or whatever. And we're going to test it out and see how this giving is. But it looks like we can take on three or four new missionaries and missionary projects. Praise the Lord, in addition to all those out there on the North Wall that are being supported. So praise the Lord. If you would like to add to that, you may still do that. But thank you so much. We appreciate all those that have stepped out on faith uh, for faith promise missions. Amen and amen. Okay. Praise Him, praise Him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. Nowadays, there is a phenomenon known as praise and worship. Praise and worship. And many religious organizations have gone to a different format, a different atmosphere, and sadly, in many cases, not to the improvement of Christianity or the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to throw stones but some places don't look like, feel like, seem like, or preach like they used to. They don't sing like they used to either. And the praise and the worship has become very inward, though it is expressed, and, and everything is done without hymnals, and it's all done on a screen, and the music has changed, and you can't hear Grandma's music anymore. Well, Grandma's music is still played and sung here, and uh, Grandma's still welcome in our church, and we're not ever going to do something that's going to disenfranchise the saints. But uh, there are some folks, and one of the first things that goes away is the emphasis on the, the centrality of the preaching of the Word of God. Now, when I hold the King James Bible, I'm holding the inspired and preserved Word of God in my hands. And we promote that, and we tell you why we believe that. Because the right men from 1604 to 1611, gathered in various companies and groups in England. Uh, King James had asked them to put it together based upon the stream of Bibles that were good Bibles, based upon good manuscripts, not corrupted manuscripts, and asked them to put together a Bible that could be used so that it would be in common usage throughout England and throughout the English-speaking world. And for seven years, these different groups met, and they diligently compared the former translations of that good stream of Bibles, not the bad stream of Bibles, but the good stream, uncorrupted manuscripts, 
and the good Bibles. I'm talking about the Bishop's Bible. I'm talking about the Geneva Bible. I'm talking about good Bibles. And, uh, and they were able to translate and diligently compare. And until every word was agreed upon, they weren't done. And after seven years, they agreed on every word. Every word. Now, when they wrote about it, they didn't want to take any extra credit for themselves. And so some critics of the King James Bible will say, you need to read what the translators themselves said. Well, they were, they were not saying that they had done anything, but that the Lord through them had produced this Bible for the common person to read. And every single one of us, I, have, I own dozens of copies of the Bible. And praise the Lord for that. And over the course of my life, maybe a hundred copies of the Bible. I don't know. I've never sat down and thought about it and counted it. But, but we have access to the Bible. In many places, in many times during the ages, they didn't have the Bible as we do. They didn't have the entire Bible. There were groups that met in caves and met in private uh, that are actually our spiritual ancestors. And they might have a portion of one book of the Bible. And uh, there were those under communism who had handwritten copies of the Bible in Russia and under the rule of the Soviet Union where it was illegal for them to meet and to worship and, and to praise Jesus. And those people would meet in the dark except for candlelight. And one person would have a handwritten Bible for 800 people and would read the scripture. And they would each memorize a portion so they each knew a part of the Bible so when they would quote, they would all collectively have the Bible. Now that's what they had to do. That's what our spiritual ancestors had to do. I've got the whole Bible, aren't you glad? And so I can read what God has said, and I can memorize it and praise the Lord for that. I want to praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. And then it says, Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim." Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Now I know that in a very real sense, all of creation praises God. You say, is that true? Yes, it is true. All of creation praises God. You remember when they welcomed Jesus in Jerusalem on His triumphal entry? You remember that? You can find that in the Gospels. In John chapter 20, you find it. And, uh, excuse me, in uh, John chapter 12, you find that. And throughout uh, the Gospels, you find it. And they rebuked those that were crying out so emphatically and enthusiastically, uh, you know, Hosanna to the King, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And they said, to, tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said, if they should hold their peace, if they should be quiet, the very rocks would cry out. And that's true. All creation praises God. And you say, how does all creation praise God? All creation praises God, whether it's got breath or not, by just by being what it is. There is no way to scientifically and scripturally doubt the truth that there is a designer by observing the design of the Creator. The Creator is responsible for that which has been created. This didn't just happen. It has been well stated that there is a greater chance of having a perfect Swiss watch by dragging a magnet through a junkyard, a metal yard. 
and as a result having a perfect Swiss watch come from that. There's more chance of that happening than the false hypothesis of evolution ever coming to pass. There's absolutely no evidence in the fossil record or anywhere on this planet that man evolved or that anything evolved. Macroevolution is a lie of the devil promoted by people who just want to sound smarter than everybody else. But in so doing, they have fulfilled what it says twice in Scripture, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Amen. You need to equip your kids because they're going off to hostile territory when they're taught in a biology class that so many billions and so many millions of years ago this or that developed. And the scientific method makes that impossible and makes it fraudulent for them to state that in their book and for people just to automatically accept. The scientific method says what? That there must be somebody who observes and catalogs whatever that process is. There was only one who observed, one in three, that observed and cataloged what happened, what actually happened, and his name is God. And he wrote it down and gave it to us in this book called the Bible. Amen. Preacher, why are you talking about this? Because, you see, if what the world is saying and proposing is true, then you don't need God. And you have no one to be accountable to. And you can just go out and do what you want to. And I had a young man stare at me who had been brought under this kind of teaching and was doubting the truth of Scripture and said, uh, you know, I believe this and this because he had been taught it. Once again, kids in hostile territory. You know what? Christians need to take back the schools. Amen. We need to take back some things. And that's it. You are responsible for what your kids are taught. Amen. You're responsible for what your kids believe. You need to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's not very loud in here right now, but if you're not going to amen me, I'm going to amen myself. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. Amen. We have responsibilities to train up our children. And we're not going to turn them over to the devil and the world and the flesh. We have responsibilities to teach them that there is accountability. I do have one that I answer to. I have one who sees everything and knows everything, even knows what I'm thinking before I think it. Talking about God Almighty. And if, if evolution is true, there is no need for thanksgiving. If evolution is true, there's no need for Christmas. Now, they've tried to come up with all kinds of other ideas, you know, fat red men riding around in flying sleighs with flying reindeer. Oh, preacher, you're going to destroy the hopes and dreams of children. No, when they get old enough to figure out you lied to them, they're going to doubt everything you say. Your authority is going to be worthless. So I'm going to tell it like it is. Our kids used to say, who is that, mama? Who is that, daddy? We say, oh, that's just a clown. That's just a man dressed up with a pillow in his, in most cases. Some guys are built for it, but anyway... I want my children, my grandchildren, to know there's a God in heaven. He is the God of the Bible. And I want them to know that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who can save. And He can save to the uttermost. And because that's true, we have thanksgiving. And because that's true, 
we have Christmas. And because that's true, we celebrate Resurrection Day. We know that the Bible is absolutely true. I want to produce a generation that will take it back to God the way it ought to be. Amen. Amen. All right. In your bulletin, we've got some words about praise. And I want you to use this as background. Brother Tom and I were talking about some old Fellowship House uh, teaching and preaching days. And I remember when he taught about uh, the, the new heaven and the new earth and everything, all the elements, every, every part of it. And he taught about the crowns that uh, we can win and cast at Jesus' feet. And uh, he taught about uh, the spies that went in and the ones that got forgotten and, and promptly went off into oblivion because they didn't trust the Lord at Kadesh Barnea. You know, I, I appreciate that. And I want to share some things from your bulletin. It's praise defined. Second, second one down. To commend, to applaud, to express approbation of personal worth or actions. Amen. Amen. We need to praise the Lord. We need to praise Him and praise Him more. Uh, we need to praise Him and look at the benefits of praise about halfway down. Praise is a potent and restorative tool. It refocuses refocuses our affections, it realigns our priorities, it re restores our soul. Now I've shared that with you, it's not original to me. We've got praise in the Hebrew, we've got Tauda, Yada, Barak, Hallel, Zemar, uh, Tehillah, and Shabak, alright, and we have the sacrifice of praise, the hands raised, the quiet voice, the soul rejoicing, the instrument song, the singing along, the shouting for joy, each one of these represents some element of praise. Now, I want to do for you what others have done for me. I mentioned acrostics in Sunday school. And the Bible uses acrostics. For example, Psalm 119 is acrostic. There are 22 sections of verses in the longest Psalm, 119. Each one of them eight verses in length. And each one of them in the underlying Hebrew begins with the same uh, letter of the 22-letter alphabet of the Hebrews. And so it's listed that way for uh, mem memorization, for the purpose of memorization. It's a memory device, acrostic. I've taught you, for example, grace, G-R-A-C-E. What does that stand for? God's riches at Christ's expense. Put it down. God's riches at Christ's expense. I taught you and reminded you in Sunday school of faith. Faith is forsaking all, I trust Him. Forsaking all, I trust Him. That's how I remember what faith is. Alright, so grace and faith. And I remember evangelist Joe Boyd, who was a great college football player for Texas A&M. He was an All-American, and he got saved and got called to preach in a church down in Texas and was a great preacher for many years. I heard him preach dozens of times, and he would have books filled with acrostics on God's will, on, on separation, soul winning. He would, have it, he would have it listed so people could use that as a memory device and not forget what it stands for. Well, today I'm going to give you an acrostic. If you're going to take out your pen, take notes, write P-R-A-I-S-E. Six letters. P-R-A-I-S-E. 
E. That's right. Praise is spelled with an S, not a Z. Okay. So P-R-A-I-S-E. And we're going to give you the acrostic based upon the Scriptures so we understand what it means for us to truly praise the Lord. I want to be on line with Jesus. I want to be lined up and uh, going right on down uh, the road the way I'm supposed to, lined up with the Lord Jesus. And so let's do that today. Would you turn with me in the Psalms, please, to Psalm 50. Psalm 50 and verse 23. Psalm 50. Everybody get into your Bible now. Here we go. Psalm 50 and verse 23. And it says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation, that means your life, aright will I show the salvation of God. There it is. That 20, 23rd verse caps off the 50th Psalm, which is a tremendous Psalm that states essentially this. Uh, I don't need anything. I'm God. I've already got everything I need. And I wouldn't ask you if I needed food. I wouldn't. I, I own everything. I'm in charge of everything. And so we're going to start on the right foot. The letter P, as we think of praise, uh, speaks of the kind of people who praise. People of praise. I'm talking about people being people of praise. Now, some of you, as I started with this, you thought of your own acrostic. You thought, well, P could be private. My praise is private. No, there is no such thing as private praise. Uh, you thought R stood for reserve, so you could be quiet. A stands for arbitrary, so that you could do it whenever you wanted to. Uh, I stands for indifference, so that if you don't feel like it, don't feel up to it, God understands, and you're not going to praise Him. And S, and now here's a good one, it doesn't stand for sloppy. You know, you've heard of sloppy agape. Now, agape is God's love. It's the highest love. But some people today, they just kind of ooze all over you. We call that sloppy agape. doesn't stand for that. E does not stand for egocentric. When it comes to praise, it's not about being private or being reserved or being arbitrary or being indifferent or expressing sloppy agape or being egocentric. But instead, praise, praise according to the Bible is the way that some people who have it right that are biblical are put together. We are made to praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I realize the rocks that can cry out don't have breath. I understand that. They have their own way of speaking to the existence of God. The fingerprints of God Almighty are upon His creation. And you find His fingerprints throughout this world and throughout the universe. And I know that there is a God. I know that God is real. And He is big enough to hold together this mighty universe. And yet He's small enough to live within my heart, within my soul. And He wants to live inside of you. And He wants to tell you what's right and wrong through the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. He wants to work in your life. He wants to guide and direct your paths. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to be a person of faith. But He wants to be the one who guides your steps. And while we're going the right way, I took another step. We ought to be praising the Lord. Oh, Billy Bray who was the, the Cornish miner who became the preacher, saved out of a horrible, uh, profligate life. And then for the rest of his life, he just he said, I've given it all to the devil, now I want to give it all to the Lord. I want to I multiply 
my, anything I did for the devil, I want to do for the Lord many times over. And every time he'd take a step, he'd say, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. Every step he'd take, he'd say one of those words. And people say, Billy, why are you so excited? He says, once I was lost, but now I am found. I once was blind, but now I see. And he always had an answer. Be ready always to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. Amen. I want to be like Billy Bray. I want to praise the Lord every step, saying something for God and, and uh, walk in the way He wants me to walk. I want to be a person of praise. We need to be people of praise. It says over in Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Let's turn there. Psalm 22. This great psalm, of course, Jesus Christ quoted from the cross. He did a Bible study. And he was, he was uh, of course, showing the fulfillment of many of these scriptures, but he was teaching the meaning of it. We know that Psalm 22, 23, and 24 go together. Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. That's the shepherd psalm. Praise God. He's our uh, shepherd. The Lord Jesus shepherds us as the sheep. And Psalm 24 is, of course, he's the, he's the soon returning sovereign. He is, the, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. But Psalm 22, he's the suffering substitute. He is the sacrifice. And when you think about our praise, it should reflect all of these elements. And here in Psalm 22, Psalm 22, I want you to see what the Scripture says. So much, so much for the praise. And here in verse number 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, some fellow decided to write his thesis on what this does not mean. Let me tell you what it does mean. Exactly what it says. That God, in that dispensation, had a people known as Israel, His covenant people. God has now called out a people in this dispensation. We are the people of God. Those that have been born again. Born from above. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you know Jesus as your Savior, then all things are become new. Old things are passed away. You're a brand new person, and He's making you brand new. And what the things you used to do, you don't do them any, anymore. The places you used to go, you don't go there anymore. The people you used to hang out with, you don't hang out with them anymore. There's been a great change since you've been born again. And He makes you brand new. He makes you different from the inside out. And guess what? That affects your tongue too. It affects your tongue. So much so that when we begin to show the change in our speech to praise Him, like Billy Bray, every step, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. When we do that, people say, wow, something happened to you. And then you can say what I said at my 50th reunion in my high school class. I said, it's not something, it's someone. Jesus is what happened to me. And Jesus can happen to you too. Amen. There it is. He inhabits the praises of His people. I want Jesus. Don't you want Jesus in your mind? Don't you want Him to clean out all that mess that was there, all that that was sinful and wrong and compromising and selfish and self-willed? Don't you want Him to wash all that out? You talk about brainwashing. I want Him to blood wash all of that in there and make my mind clean. And I want Him to make my heart clean. I want Him to make my hands clean. I want Him to make my feet clean. I want Him to make my body clean. And I want Him to make my tongue clean. I want to speak the things 
that lift him up. Not the things that pull people down. I want to lift up Jesus with my praise. We need to be people of praise. We have a, a new nature added now to the, the old nature. And there's a battle going on. But as somebody has wisely said, those two natures are battling. Who wins? Whoever you feed. You feed that new nature. You get into the Word of God. Until the Word of God gets into you, you get into church and you get busy about the things of God. You get busy praising Him, praising Him, praising Him. There's no room for any of the rest of it. Just praise Him. Praise the Lord for this beautiful day. Hey, it's going to be warm today. I know we had some rain, but you know it's going to be warm today. And I think one more day and then it gets cold. I'm not going to think about that yet. But I'm going to praise Him for the warmer weather. I'm going to praise Him for the good things. I'm going to praise Him for the blessings. 59 years of blessings. We're now started in on our 60th year. Amen. Praise Him. Praise Him. I'm going to praise Him for saving me and loving me. When my mother was alive, when she was still here, now she's in glory. Went there at 103 and 10 months. When my mama went to heaven, I didn't have her anymore to say this to her, but I used to, every phone call, every time I saw her, I would take both of her hands and both of mine. I'd say, Mom, I'm so glad you and Dad gave me physical life. Thank you so much. I had a chance to live. Thank you. I want to thank God that He saved me and He gave me eternal life. And I want to thank God that I discovered in the Word it's not just that, but I can have the abundant life. Amen. Amen. We're on the winning side. We sang that in Sunday school. Amen. Uh, we sang about victory in and through Jesus Christ. I read some scripture. We talked about winning. We talked about being on the winning side and on the joyful side. And praise the Lord for that. We need to be people of praise. So when you go P-R-A-I-S-E, the first letter, P, stands for people. People of praise. We need to be people of praise. You say, well, doesn't all the creation praise God like you said? Yes. But you know what? Aside from, uh, from parakeets and minor birds who can imitate speech, we're the only ones who have that gift. And we can actually articulate what God has done down in the depths of our heart. And He took me, an old wretched sinner, and He lifted me up out of that septic tank of sin and He cleaned me off and He put my feet on the solid rock and He established my goings and praise the Lord, He did that for me, and He'll do that for you as well. People of praise. Not just all of creation. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. But people need to praise the Lord, because you will never, ever, ever, as much as you love your dog or your cat, your dog or your cat will never lead anybody to Jesus, unless you put a tract on their collar, and they go up to someone, and they take the tract off, and I want somebody to do that and tell me about it so I can change that illustration. <laughs> You're the ones that are going to lead people to Jesus. You're going to share Him. R. R. This is important. I want you to get this now. Here we go. R. Turn to Psalm 7. Psalm 7. In Psalm number 7, verse... 17, I will praise the Lord according to His righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Alright, there it is. The R is about the what that we're praising. We should praise Him 
for His righteousness, according to His righteousness. Aren't you glad we don't have one of those mythical Roman or Greek demigods? If any of you ever learned about mythology, which was a total waste of time, uh, unless you learned about it to find out that it was a total waste of time, it was a waste of time. But you've got all these demigods, and they are, they all they're affected, and they, they, they mirror the, uh, the, uh, all of the sins and the flaws and the foibles of humanity. They're just super powerful. So they're like superheroes, and which is really the problem with the, the mythologi mythological uh, attempt by Hollywood to promote superheroes. Because we don't have what we have in God. In God we have perfection. In God we have perfectly ethical, perfectly holy, perfectly righteous. And through His Word and the finished work of Jesus Christ in our behalf, we can become the righteousness of God in and through Christ. We can have that righteousness. There is no other way that man can ascend to that position except through the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. I'm glad today to be able to announce I'm an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist. I am old-fashioned, old paths. I still preach what the Bible has to say about this subject. And so when we think of praise, we're praising Him according to His righteousness. We're praising everything that we have is according to His righteousness. It has to go through that filter. When God looks at you, He looks at you through the filter of Jesus Christ. He sees you through that lens. That's how we can stand and that's how we can live and that's how we can go to heaven someday because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. P stands for people of praise. R stands for righteousness. Now A is very important. Now, some might say, uh, let everybody say amen. Or somebody might say, uh, uh, it's uh, actions and attitude, and that, that would be okay. But I have taken Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. And here it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's always there. I've told you before, I had no trouble believing in a God who's always there because my dad showed up at all of my athletic contests that he could possibly go to. He was always there for me after working many, 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 many hours overtime as a full-time pastor. Taking care of the needs and the problems of people in the congregation, he would come home and with his with his coat and tie and his, and his dress shirt on, he would take off his coat, roll up his sleeves, and he'd say, come on, son, let's go out here. And we'd go out in the road just next to where the parsonage was, and he'd say, all right, let me throw you some grounders. And he'd throw me some grounders, and I'd pick them up. And I was very thankful many, many years later when I was playing third base and shortstop and getting slammed with those softballs coming off of the off of the turf and hitting me right in the chest and the face and so forth because he had taught me how to do that, how to scoop and how to throw. And my dad took time with me. I had no trouble believing in a father who's always there because my father was always there. And maybe you didn't have that, maybe you don't have that, but that's no reason for you not to believe in a God who is there. And because of that, we ought to be praising Him always. So people of praise, 
praising Him according to His righteousness and always praising Him in actions and in attitude because He's always there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never let you down. Praise the Lord for that. Others may, but He won't. He absolutely will not. Now you got P-R-A and we come to I. And as I told you, it has nothing to do with being indifferent and, and choosing not to praise the Lord as some people might. But rather, it has to do with the fact that even though we may be in a crowd, we can still praise the Lord. Please turn to Psalm 111. Psalm 111 and verse number 1. Psalm 111 and verse number 1. And there it says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Just as we see there on the front of the bulletin. With my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Now, here's the difference. People who are self-centered will use the excuse that they don't want to draw attention to themselves. But when you're praising the Lord correctly, you're not saying, oh, look what I've accomplished, look what I've done, look how great God is. When it comes to singing in the congregation, we say, open, open your songbooks to how great thou art. How great thou art! You say, I don't want to sing like that. I don't want to... I don't want to draw attention to myself. But you're not singing to the person next to you or in front of you or behind you. You're singing to Him, to the Lord. That makes a difference, doesn't it? How great Thou art! How great Thou art! wasn't on key, but it was sure from the heart. With the whole Hard. You see what I'm saying? There it is. Too often, too often, now I'm not just talking about singers or choirs or groups, but too often individuals have a little performance going on. In fact, their Christianity could be summed up as a performance. I know that people observe us, and I know that we never want to be a reproach to the cause of Jesus Christ. And I know we want to abstain from the appearance of evil. All of those things are absolutely true. But when I am in the assembly, when I'm in the congregation, and it comes time to praise the Lord, we're singing, or we're, we're saying amen, or praise the Lord, don't worry about the person who's around you. Because it's the person who's within and the person who's above that we are praising. Like the fellow that was praying and he slaughtered the king's English and afterwards some self-righteous Pharisee came up and said, do you realize you just, I could hardly even listen to you, you made such a mess of your, of your prayer. And he turned to that Pharisee and said, I wasn't talking to you. And when we're praising the Lord, we're not talking, maybe for the benefit of, but not to each other. Amen. And so individual individual, I will praise in the assembly. It's individual in the sense that we're, it's us and the Lord. It's you and me, Jesus. There it is in the assembly. We need to be willing to lift up our voice. Absolutely. P-R-A-I, we come to S. Turn over to Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Psalm 104 and verse number 33 and 34 there it says, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. 
Now we sing sweeter as the years go by, or it gets sweeter as the days go by. Those are all songs about the sweetness of the Lord. And S stands for sweet songs of praise. And what we need to pray is that we never become sour. That we never allow time and trials and temptations and testing to turn us sour. We need to stay sweet. And you know how to stay sweet? Stay focused on Jesus. I got Jesus on my mind. If you got Jesus on your mind, that sweet Savior will keep your spirit sweet. So praise means to be a person of praise and to praise according to His righteousness and to praise Him in actions and attitude always and to praise Him individually in the assembly of the congregation and to make sure that those praises are sweet. Sweet songs of praise from the heart, from the whole heart. Now I'm getting to it. Here I come. Here we go. P-R-A-I-S and now the letter E. Turn over to Psalm 115. Psalm 115, here we go, Psalm 115, and verse number 18, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, evermore. Everyone, every place, every time, everlastingly, our praise ought to have that every business about it, all right? We will bless the Lord forevermore, forevermore. More. Say, well, I used to praise the Lord. I used to be like you're talking, preacher, but then this bad thing and that bad thing and these people did this and that situation went sour and things didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted them to turn out and so uh, I I just kind of stopped or I kind of put it on a sabbatical or put it on hold. It's time for you to let the break off. It's time for you to start praising again. Say, how can I do this? I tell you what, with your whole heart. You start down inside from the heart and it works its way out and you can't keep it in. You can't hold it in. Many times, many times, my wife and I will be in the car. I'll be driving and I'll hear her humming over there. I said, what are you humming? And she's humming some song, some hymn, some song, some praise. And she's humming it. And I, well, share it. I want to hear it. Amen. Why? Because praise is comely. Praise looks good. It sounds good. It does good. It is good. And people today need to do more of it. We have this feeling about praise that somehow it's totally uh, personal and arbitrary and indifferent. And if I don't feel like it, no, listen, if you don't feel like praising, then your heart needs to get right. If you don't feel like praising, then something needs to get fixed. And I happen to know where you can get it fixed. I tell you what, just come on with your problem. Don't try to fix it yourself. Just bring it to the altar and say, I'm, I'm bringing it here, Lord. I want it fixed. I want to be able to praise you again. I want to praise you with that kind of joy. I want to praise you incessantly without, without any uh, limitation. I want to continue to praise you. I want to do it in attitude and actions and always. And I want to do it uh, from my whole heart. I don't want to give up. I don't want to slow down. I, I don't want to stop. I want to keep on going. I want to praise the Lord. And people will look at you like they looked at Billy Bray. And they may criticize and say, man, where does he find time to, when does he eat? When does he do whatever? When does he do those things? And the truth of the matter is, God will help you with your priorities, but you got to start out and get this praise business. Got to get it fixed. Bring it to Jesus. Be a people. Be a person. Be a, be a, 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 a group. 
that is characterized by that prayer and by that praise life that God wants you to have. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you today would say, uh, God taught me something or renewed something in me about praise? Raise your hand up high. All right, amen. What are you going to do about it? You say, I want to fix it. All right, then come to the altar. When the music begins, I want you to come down, find a place, have a word of prayer, sit or kneel, and then go back to your seat and thank the Lord that you can start praising again like you ought to. And you say, well, I'm not sure if everything is right. Then get your heart right. Get your heart right. Get that fixed. Turn it over to the Lord. Let Him fix it. Remember, praise is not about you. It's about Him. So let's get our hearts right with God. Let's fix it by the grace of God. Let's come forward. Let's say, I want to praise the Lord. I want to do it like you described it today. I want to get back on track like that again. One foot in front of the other. Now, if you're not sure you're saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus came into this world to seek and to save the lost. He came to die for all of us. We're all sinners. And if you call upon Him right now, He'll come into your heart and life, take away your sins and take you to heaven when you die. Would you pray right now from your heart to God something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die.